this lovely experience with my son. We were like lying on our bed watching a movie and he was lying in the middle and he's holding my husband's hand and holding my hand. And then he just turns over and is like, we're all connected. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, we are all connected in more ways than one. All right, parents, we are back to Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting out of the box. We're going to start today off with the cheers. Bubbly cheers, Tracy. Bubbly cheers. Cheers. <laughs> that was not planned. Oh, yes. Yeah, you can't cheers without what a bad drinking one. Exactly. That was a terrible faux pas. <laughs> now I'll drink twice just okay, to like make up for my... <laughs> just make up for my indiscretions. Oh, parents, we're so glad we're so glad to have you guys today. This is going to be a great episode. We have Tracy Borison with us today. She is an authenticity coach. I'm so excited for this. And she's all about living authentically as a parent, as a mom or dad, as a business owner, as a human being, have a human experience. So I feel like some of us can relate to what this is like. So Tracy, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, so excited to be here. I'm all, I'm all about talking about authenticity. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I love that because it means so many things to so many people. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun delving into this topic. Um, I always ask our guests this because there's so many cool answers. And because you're an authenticity coach, I have to ask this for you. What is one thing you do in your life, Miss Tracy, to help you show up on purpose? Oh, okay. So uh, maybe three years ago, I read this book called The One Thing. I don't know if any if people have read it. If you haven't read it, listeners, you definitely should pick it up or get it on audiobook. Um, it has this core principle in it, this core question. What is one thing I can do right now so that all other things become easier or unnecessary? And no joke, this was a game changer for me. Because as soon as I heard that, I was like, why have I not been doing this my whole life? And right. One of the interesting things when you start to do that is you have to reconsider, like, where am I going? Because mm -hmm. if I don't know what things I'm trying to make easier or what I'm trying to accomplish, then I can't really explore what I can do to make things easier or stop doing things. So it was a really big shift for me to start looking out. What are the things that I want? It led to me us like moving from living into the city, moving into the country. Um, it's been pretty much in every place in my life. Um, the thing that has led me closer and closer to my purpose, which I do think is a lifelong journey. Um, but yeah, it's definitely helped in that journey. So, okay. So uh, the overall, overall principle of just constantly analyzing your life to see what is the one thing you could do? I have read the book. Yeah. Love that book. Um, David Geller, I think I'm trying to remember the author's name. Um, Keller. Keller, yeah. yeah. Gary, um, Gary Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Not Gary. a detailed person, obviously. Um. <laughs> All of the letters were in there. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. I, I am like, I straight up have dyslexia. Great painter, super good cook, like all the creative things. But like people are like, are you, how are you a functioning adult? Can you spell? I'm like, I, I have AI for that. ChatGPT can fix that. Uh, can we talk about how that is totally relevant in the authenticity conversation? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> because I still think there's so much narrative about this like human average, right? Like this is what it looks like to be quote unquote good at spelling. This is what it looks like to be quote unquote good at cooking, right? And like most of this is like best case scenario average. And are we going for average? Because none of us was actually made average. We all have areas of expertise and we all have 
weak areas as well. And authenticity is really about embodying what are our strengths and letting go of what's our weakness because there's someone else out there who can fill the gap for that. I love it. So I will I will appreciate all the spellers out there because that is not my forte. <laughs> so thank you. Just for... like I appreciate all the accountants out there because it is not my forte. Yeah, exactly. And it frees you mental energy and like mental calories, as you said, up to do the things that you love, which you're intrinsically really good at. Right. So how does one, let's start with the philosophical question. How does one become a uh, authenticity coach? And what are some of the things that you have realized in your work doing this? So I honestly think my whole experience was pulling me towards authenticity coach. Although for a very long time, I didn't know how to pay attention to my experience and what it was showing me. And so from the time I was in junior high, so like, in Canada, those grades seven to nine um, <laughs> for the non-Canadians who are listening, Close. because I know there's lots of you, um, international show. Um, there were things in my experience that a lot of people would have probably considered bullying mm -hmm. that I considered like rays of sunshine in my authenticity. <laughs> so I used to have this like I was very studious, still very studious. I'm a big nerd. Um, so I used Did to I... have this backpack that had wheels on it. So oh, God. And also I could like wheel my books because my- That's an literally... international target. That's an international target. <laughs> right? <laughs> where, where you are, you're getting kicked. <laughs> and this is the thing, right? And I like, I had a lot of books. Like literally, I would split the zippers on my backpacks always from carrying too many books around. And so my parents got me this rolling backpack and I thought it was genius, right? Like, I don't have to carry this. This is yeah, great for my back. is a 10 out of 10 for sure. Right? <laughs> now, sometimes I would wear it and people would like pull the handle up. <laughs> so no. be like walking around with an antenna and I couldn't reach the, it was very difficult oh. to pull down. You had to take the backpack off. But I didn't care. I, like it didn't bother me. And so people eventually stopped doing it because I wasn't bothered exactly. by it. Also, like when I was in high school, I was in the International Baccalaureate Program, which is the smart kid program. And I was on the basketball team and I was on student council and I was in the choir. <laughs> I was like in all the things because I didn't understand why I couldn't do all the things. And while everyone else was just like picking a thing and like picking a crowd to be part of, I was like, I'm gonna just do all of these things. And I was the one who like ran around my school because I was on the yearbook committee as well. This is a classic overachiever over here. Um, taking pic making sure that there was at least one picture of every student in the yearbook that wasn't their like profile picture. Nice, like, awesome. Everyone is an equal, an equal member of this organization, Love right? That. So everybody should have their picture. Um, and these are the things that like it was just me being me at the time, but I didn't really think about it until after I left my corporate job and I started to exploring what does entrepreneurship look like for me and what do I want to do and what is my contribution to the world that I was like, well, I've kind of always been making this contribution. So yeah. I might as well keep going with that because that's clearly just even subconsciously part of what I'm here to do. And there's just like, so many societal narratives, whether it's a parenting narrative or an entrepreneurial narrative or a corporate narrative or a, a wife narrative that are disempowering and trying to convince us to be something other than we are because that would be better. And so I've just made it my goal to erase that 
narrative as much as possible. Be like, you are who you were made to be. And you were made to be this way, regardless of what you believe in spiritually, you were made to be this way. (laughs) And so erasing that is actually erasing your gifts. And if you were given the gifts, it's probably because the world needs them. So we might as well give them to the world. Yes, girl, I love this. My 15-year-old, we made her one of those backdrops in her room that's like the live wall with the like the saying and like neon lights and she's 15 and I remember we did like this two or three week exercise where she was sitting with like what the perfect quote would be because those things are like $800 so we're like we're not changing in a week like let's get vested here this is our moral compass and it took us um, a few weeks but she came up with on her own she found is be yourself and the world will adjust which I loved love for a 15 year old love as an adult it's so true because you were not an accident everything about you is purposeful and so if you were made this way there's probably a really good reason and i know like there's every every lens wife mother entrepreneur daughter parent whatever employee spouse there like there's these pressures to be a certain way and as you said like the average is the greatest way to the greatest way to see that like i don't want to be average so why should i succumb to this i'm going to make intentionally make my own rules up for what this should be but it just makes you feel like you're never a parenting is so much like this right every parent can relate to when you're doing something that you know works for your kid in your life but you're like oh god to the outside world this is going to look like like horrific like i can't let my kid regulate their own emotions what am was people are going to look at me like i'm some kind of lunatic that i'm letting my kid cry for two minutes like but it's the best thing for your kid is to regulate their emotions. so it's yeah i totally get this so because it's always come easy to you so like how like i, I think that's such a gift because because it's always comes easy to you it's probably really like, easy for you to help people like guide people on the core principles um but like how did you decide like this is what i'm going to start doing when did that when did that shift come into your life so my like work background is actually marketing. Um, so I'm not sure you could imagine an industry that has less authenticity than marketing, um, maybe sales, but it's my, I discovered that there was not a lot of authenticity. So I, I left my marketing career and I left my marketing career with a bunch of marketing skills, right? So then I was like, well, people need help writing websites and email funnels and all those things. So that's what I started doing and i was working with a client writing their website and uh the client said to me you sound more like me than i do and i was like what is up with that because literally what i just did was listen to you say things and write them on your website (laughs) like if you had a transcription service it would have done the same thing except you would have judged it harshly because you knew it was your own words and somehow when you thought it was my words you gave it all of this like this sounds so great because you wrote this i wrote exactly what you said um and so it was really interesting in that moment because i was like okay one if i was meant to be a copywriter i just would have taken that as a compliment and moved on but i was it's still, even when I think about it, I'm like, there's something wrong with that, right? Like, what is stopping us from that? So then I just got really curious about what are those things that stop us from believing that how we would say it or how we would do it is the way it should be done. We get all of these narratives all the time. I try not to use the word should because of this, because everybody's like, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And you're like, eh, I don't even have any practice 
figuring out what I would do. What would you do? And this is like the central theme I come back to in all of my coaching is what would you do? And when you think about it from a parenting perspective, that example that you give, Catelyn, I'm like, people might think I'm crazy by letting my kids self-regulate. Like, if that's what you would do, then that's what you should do. Exactly. And if people don't get it, people don't get it. I know. So I was, I could not breastfeed my son. And I wanted to, it was my plan. And it was a disaster. It was stressful for me. It was stressful mm-hmm. for him. And had all these people telling me that I should do it because it's the healthiest thing. And I was like, it cannot, this is what happened in my brain. And I do have more practice being authentic, but like, it cannot be better for my relationship with him for us to continually having all of these yeah. stress situations that are just the two of us, right? Like there's no way that that can be better. <laughs> and so like, I, I, I mean, uh, I had a whole pumping scenario for like four months, which I would not recommend to anybody. Um, But like once I quit doing that, my state of mind like completely changed. And then there was space. There was space for love and connection because I wasn't so worried about doing what I should do. Um, So yeah, forget those shoulds. I love it. It's so true. And, and, it's so funny because like the example that comes to mind, and I know my family probably watches these, so it's hilarious. But like, you know, like everybody thinks you should be where they where they are, or or closer to where they are, and it's like the with crabs in a pot scenario. Like it makes people uncomfortable when you're yourself, but there are elements of like light that they love, right? And I always kind of like like to play with that concept. I feel like if it is inspiring to them then you're shining light and they love and they appreciate that. But if you're living in an authentic way that also brings to light the things that are not in perfect harmony in their life, then it kind of makes them feel a little defensive. And there's a lot of pressure to not be authentic. So I'd love to hear what you've learned from your coaching. Like, I guess a two-part question. One is like, what stops people from being authentic? Because I feel like you watch kids, they just are. That is what they are, right? So we can make some assumptions, but I'd love to hear from you. And then like, you know, what are some tools we can have in terms of like in society to try and keep our authenticity and like keep, like put the blinders up so we don't let other people tell us the shoulds? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to answer your first question, it's the shoulds, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in a family of girls and while no one specifically used the words sit still, look pretty, that was my upbringing. And I think it's because it was my mom's upbringing and it was probably my grandma's upbringing. And it was just kind of this societal narrative of that's what girls do. They sit still and look pretty. And even, even now I saw a wonderful post on LinkedIn earlier today about how like, like a friend of mine just left her corporate job. And she was like, because I'm not about just waiting, (laughs) sitting in my window, watching the world go by, waiting for my chance. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go and get it. And like, yes, please. (laughs) More of that energy. Um, But it's really the shoulds. I should, I had for the longest time. It's interesting when you start to explore your own shoulds. um, Because one of the things that I had created a story around is that like, I should do the dishes every day. Because that mm. makes me a good wife. Mm-hmm. And like, that that's, it's not that I completely made that up. I'm sure it came from society somewhere or the 1960s somewhere. <laughs> um, but like, it's not real. 
And so one of the things, like, I know my husband, I don't even think he notices when there's dishes in the sink, right? Like, he doesn't notice. I'm the one that notices because I think I have to clean them up in order to be a good wife. And I had this realization that, like, if he doesn't care that I do it and he's the one who is, like, really creating the narrative of whether or not I'm a good wife, then why do I care? So now, I, like mostly do the dishes, but I will not get stressed out about doing the dishes before I go to bed um, because it doesn't make me a bad wife. <laughs> it actually, this was the thing I was like, it could actually make me a better wife because I'm less stressed about the dishes and more available for personal connection. And then once you create those new stories for yourself, then it, then you look back and you're like, well, that was silly <laughs> that I had that belief for so long. But there's also a really important forgiveness piece of this because when we're exploring our authenticity, we are inevitably going to expose things that are not authentic for us that I don't actually believe. And a lot of times people can get frustrated with themselves. Be like, oh, why did I hold that belief for so long? But you didn't know. You yeah. didn't have the clarity on that before. Now that you see these should stories you've created, and you honestly, we base our entire experience off of it. Um, it's just aligning your shoulds to your shoulds instead of someone else's shoulds. Um, and asking yourself, like, would I do that? That is the number one skill. If there could be more people in this world asking their community, what would you do? Yeah. In like a really curious way, like, what would you do? I'd ask this to my son. He's five. And people are like, he doesn't know. These kids, they are like much closer to source. Exactly. They know what they would do. Is, does that mean that's what you would do? No, that's not the point. But it's about getting around people who are asking themselves, like, what would you, what would I do? What would I do? And then back to the forgiveness thing, when you try something because you think you would do it and then you try it and you're like, yeah, no. That's not what I would do. Let it go. Man, you tried it because you thought it might be something you would do. It's not. Put it in the list of things you're not going to do. Exactly. And try another thing. There's something about that 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 attempt of learning, a faithful attempt in learning and actually just doing the thing, even if it doesn't end up giving you the results. It, it, that's part of like play to me where it's not you don't even categorize it as failure until you're older. It's really just you're learning what does, what doesn't. Like I, I watch my son do blocks and stuff all the time. And if he configures them a certain way, they balance. And if he does, if they don't, if he doesn't configure them a certain way, they fall. So he didn't do anything wrong. He's learning counterbalance. Like he's learning more perspectives of one thing. And I love what you said about um, asking children what you should do. Like Einstein's theory, right? You can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that caused the problem. And I think our whole our whole web, um, our whole podcast is on like self parenting because if if we over parent our kids, all you're doing is you're putting all of your mental frameworks onto them, and now you're robbing them them of the opportunity to figure things out. Whereas if you were to ask to your point, how would you do? Like what would you do? Or like my my son's like I can't do this. I'm like okay, but if you could, how would you do it? And then all of a sudden he has the like approval and go, oh, I can't. Okay. Wow. Look, now I can put my pants on. This is amazing. I don't know how I've not missed this two three. <laughs> my son's eight. I put his pants on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's so cool to watch that. And then I think about that all the time. Like, what am I doing in my own life that I am that for myself? 
that I would just give myself the permission. But it, and I literally like I sound crazy, but like sometimes I'll say to myself, "But if you could, how would you do it?" And like I'm like, "Oh yeah, I would do this." Like just take the pressure off because there's no right or wrong, and it's all learning. I just rather own the learning process and feel good about it than kind of like muddle through it and be like, "Oh yeah, 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 this works for that person." Because sometimes what works for other people, it doesn't work for me at all. So I just cross it off my list and I try something else. Very important note too about the parent child relationship because what is authentic for me is not by nature authentic for my son and so it's important to look at yes i want to share this quickly because this is something that we've been working on is that like there's not just one way to do a thing right so you might do it one way i might do it a different way it's not that your way is better or my way is worse or vice versa it's just different ways and so we have this new narrative and he is like totally owning it he's five um that's one way to do it. <laughs> so we were at the swimming pool earlier and this girl had built her own floaty device out of like a, a, a one of those floating tubes and like another flutter board instead of using a life jacket. And Nicholas was like, that's one way to do it. And you're like, yes, it is one way to do it. It's not right or wrong or better or worse. It's, it's a way. And I think like, I'm really excited because if we can create those types of narratives when kids are young, it yeah. gives them permission to see the world that way. And it gives them less judgment on their own mm. things to figure out if it's right or wrong. Just try a thing. It works. It doesn't. Well, that way it didn't work. Right? Like, no big deal. And we also like, so what is authentic for us isn't the same as our kids. What we think is fun isn't necessarily the same and being exactly. able to like extrapolate those two things and say like what you think is fun is awesome for you and what I think is fun is awesome for me and it's not about me trying to make you have fun my way or about you trying to make me have fun your way exactly. it's about us being in conversation about like what's fun for you what's fun for me how could we create something that's fun for both of us because we do a lot of teamwork talks right so teamwork makes the dream work is our, our, our go-to. And when we're not being good teammates for each other, we will tell each other, you're not being a really good teammate right now. And that so doesn't mean you're doing something bad or doing something wrong. This is like, we're trying to do something together and it's not working out, <laughs> right? And he'll tell me as well, if I'm not being a good teammate. And then, <laughs> I don't know about you, Callum, but I always have these experiences like, well, you're right. <laughs> I'm not being a very good teammate. And if I'm going to expect you to be a good teammate, I need to be a good teammate. And we're both valuable teammates on this team. I'm the point guard and you're the shooting guard. And we can't win a basketball game if we don't have both of those positions. So we need to work together. How are we going to do that? And it creates this like new problem solving vibe instead of like a blaming 100%. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're now shifting from opposing to solution seeking as a as a team together which is fun mm -hmm. right that's like it's like play right mm -hmm. i love the i love the just honoring where your kids are is a part of being authentic in my mm -hmm. in my heart it's like <clears throat> we we've had a guest on the other day and we we're talking about like different human attributes and traits and it was such a crazy awesome example and it was for like you drop your kid off at practice or um, school or something and like they, there's some scenario they're not bad or misbehaving or you just notice something about their personality that isn't true to you 
as a parent. And then the example she gave, like she dropped her son off to practice and he was like super anxious um, because he baseball practice made him anxious. And instead of saying, oh, my son's shy or my son has anxiety and then putting these labels on kids, which is not serving to just honor, maybe these situations make him anxious. And that's not my truth, but it's something we can explore together. And what I loved about that, and it's the same thing that you just said with your son, is it, instead of saying, here's one, here's the other, therefore we're opposite, and now you're polarizing a situation, is you're building a bridge to connect with your child authentically. And like that's what this is all about, is understanding them better. Because we're the ones with, you know, they have great EQs, but we have tactical IQ knowledge from being on this rock longer. So like, let's, let's build a bridge to them and like leverage their assets and ours to, to make this a happier, you know, happier exchange. Cause that's the biggest source of fulfillment, right? In our lives, if we do it the right way, it's also the biggest source of frustration and learning, which is why they're so cute. <laughs> I said that the other day. My niece is like 18 months old and she was just being trouble. <laughs> this is why they make them so cute when they're this age. So you don't just throw them out the window. <laughs> we love you. Um, no, I actually like, I have a great authenticity example of that as well. It's my, I love a costume event. Like, so I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Every year we have this thing called the Calgary Stampede. It's like the world's biggest rodeo. And everybody dresses up like a cowboy for 10 days. And for me, it's like the greatest. I wear my hat. I wear my boots. It's I'm like, own it. And so this past Halloween, I was like working on making my son a costume. And I made him a custom costume. Because, um, of course, he didn't want to choose something where you could just go buy the costume. Um and the night before, he would not try it on. And he, like, got super upset about it. It's, like, lying on the floor, like, crying. And so I was like, okay, like, let's just back up here for a second. You don't want to wear the costume. And he is like, no. Like, why don't you want to wear the costume? And he was like, because I just want to be myself. Oh. I was like, well, what is an authenticity coach supposed to say to that? Like, yes, you can be yourself for Halloween. <laughs> and it was just interesting because what I learned in that moment is like, he doesn't like to dress up. And I like to dress up. And it doesn't mean that that is bad or that dressing up is bad. It just means that we are different on that. And that's fine. Right? And I said to him, I'm like, if you don't want to dress up for Halloween, I don't care if you dress up for Halloween. Your, your friends at school might be dressed up for Halloween. So... As long as you're fine with other kids wearing costumes, if you're not wearing a costume, then you can do what you want. And he ended up wearing, he's redheaded, so he had this little, like, Hogwarts sweatshirt and Gryffindor scarf, so he ended up going as Ron Weasley. So it was, like, kind of dressed up, but he was not wearing a mask, and he won't wear a mask. He doesn't, he wants people to be able to see his face. And I'm like, well, your face is cute, so I'm doing yeah. that. I love that though. I love that because instead of like, I just like you're you're seeing him, and that's what kids want is they want to be seen. And I mean, kids and the kid within us all, right? right. Like me, hundred percent. Like I, I, I'm sure every married couple has a scenario where like both of you are in the kitchen, and you're trying to get past each other, and there's something about like the close proximity by being in between the two countertops, and both of you trying to do different tasks at the same time. It'll either highlight. I mean, it'll just, it'll just show you where you are in your marriage that day, whether it's like little booty pinches and kisses, or it's like grunts and like sighs of like, oh, despondency, you know, it's like, it's hilarious. And, but like, it, it's like these little things. And I'm thinking, wow, like 
the little girl and boy in us are obviously not being seen right now. And so I'm like, so first I'm like, let me walk away for a second, like get my shit together so I don't like offend him. And I'm like, what do I say to like, make sure that he knows that I'm coming from a, a calm place. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, you know, I'm obviously like seeking for something right now. And, and I just want to say love you and thank you. And then he's like, oh, I love you too. I'm so sorry too. And then it's like, boom, back to butt pinches and we're good. Um, right. <laughs> well, and I think there's like, there's an important authenticity piece there too, right? Because that if we're not just going to accept that this is where I am right now, then that's a should, right? Like I, or a shouldn't, I shouldn't yeah. be mad. I shouldn't just let it go. And those things are not helpful, right? Doesn't... Like, and one of the things, cause I know in like past relationships, I would like get mad about something and then you end up taking it out on the people that you love the most, right? Cause, cause they're in pro close proximity to you. And so I'm not perfect by any means. That still happens. But when it does, I say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm frustrated about this over here. And I totally took it out on you. And I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. And it just like, it takes all of the like emotion out of it. <laughs> to just yeah. be like, I'm not, I am mad about this though. And if you want to create some space for me to like. Deal with this. Get, yeah. Work <laughs> through that. That would be awesome. But also, I think one of the things I talk to one of my friends about a lot is like how a lot of times we put so much pressure on our spouses to be everything for us, right? Like they're our, our psychotherapist and our like passion partners and like all of these things. And you're like, it's no wonder so many <laughs> marriages end in divorce. Or it's not possible for one person to be all of those things and so for yourself <laughs> no, and that's the thing and this is why community and everything is important too to be able to say like this is a silly example but my husband doesn't like sushi and i like sushi so i have a friend i go for sushi with <laughs> and we go for sushi and that feels fulfills my need for sushi and he doesn't have to fulfill my need for sushi um and it, there's more complex things that can be like we have been through like grief, grieving processes. And he is like, I can't talk about it. And I'm like, I need to talk about it. And so I go and find somebody, AKA a grief counselor to go and talk to about it. And that's good right? yeah. because what he can do for me in that time and space is create space for me to go and talk to somebody because I need to, you don't have to be the person that I talk to about everything. Um, and that is, there's authenticity and bravery in that to say like I can't I love you and I can't do this for you <laughs> um and I want you to have it so let's find a way for you to get it but I can't be the one that serves that to you um and there's an equal relationship between us and our children on that because depending on where we're at we can't possibly serve everything and I think particularly from the mom perspective we put a lot of shoulds on ourselves in that arena as well. hundred percent as parents. Yeah. We, yeah. we think we need to be everything. And I, I think it, you see it as parents as coaches or like there's a lot of homeschool. I'm like homeschool community, right? There's a lot of parents in our community that are homeschool moms. And I feel like they probably feel like this as well, but whatever venture it is, you just recognize when you're not. And I think it's like, we're given warning signs, right? Like our bodies tell us, right? And at first it's very subtle and then it becomes louder and louder as we ignore it. But it's like, you're given these signs that it's not enjoyable for you. And it's probably causing stress in your child's life too. And I like, I like the breastfeeding example. Like, yes, breast milk is the elixir. Yes, it is great, but it's not better 
it's, it's there's no way it's healthier than my son and I exchanging stress for eight months straight. It's not healthier. And it's the same thing with parents is like, yes, it would be grim. My, my daughter does private, um, private school, uh, at it's at home online private school. So it's kind of looks like homeschool, but it's professionals teaching her because I love her too much to teach her. Uh, I, I, I'm, we're very different. She's she's biologically not from my body. Um, her heart is the most incredible thing. Her gifts are amazing. And also, she's built so differently than me. I would be doing such a disservice and I would be limiting her so much if I was trying to put that framework. Now, there are other things. We, we're building a business together where I set the framework and the overall picture because I is what I'm good at, obviously. And she does spelling. No, she'll do <laughs> the detailed things that are executable that she's amazing at. And as a 15-year-old is teaching her so much about a business, that framework works. I feel good about it. She writes me love notes all the time. Thank you for teaching me this. You inspire me. Like, it's amazing. But there was a time when we just adopted her and I was teaching her to read that I'm like, this is so hard for me because she does not her truth and my truth are not the same. And I, so I would like, let's talk about that for a second. So as parents, especially younger kids, when you're doing something, I just had another guest on, oh, we were talking yesterday and it was like, they have two kids and this often happens, but like one kid is like dad and another kid is like the mom. So for the opposite parent, if you have a son who acts a lot like the husband, it's so easy for the mom because she's like, I've been practicing for 30 years. I know, I know how to deal with this, but it's a blind spot for the parent who has similar things or in cases where kids are so different. Like, I'd love for you to talk about when kids are like growing up and parents are trying to teach them things, um, how to learn about their authenticity. And especially when they're a little younger and maybe you don't have, can't have, well, you're having these level of conversations with your son and he's five. So I'd love to hear about some of that. Yeah. You have to like create space for their authenticity and also your unawareness of your own authenticity. So what happened? So we're in this stage right now where we're teaching my son to ride a bike and I am the more teachery, like patient one. Um, but my husband will go out and do more of the physical activities with him. So quite honestly, we haven't been successful <laughs> with the bike. Um, and it's fine, right? We were equally unsuccessful seemingly with potty training and eventually it worked out. <laughs> it was fine. Um, but there's the way that you learned and that might have worked for you, but just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for them. And so there's like this, this, it's still like this, this, well, this is the way to learn how to ride a bike. Well, is it because there's like 8 billion people in this world and I'm pretty sure not everyone learns how to ride the bike the same way. Definitely. Actually, I am experiencing this with my son right now in swimming. So trying to get him to kick his feet like flutter kick and I I'm trying like a whole bunch of different things I'm like like scissors and then he'll make like one big kick and then not kick his other leg and I'm like okay nope is that how you use scissors I don't okay okay um okay let's he's very big into counting so I was like okay why don't we try like one two one two <laughs> and like that didn't work I quite honestly I haven't found something yet that works um but it's similar to the like I got to keep experimenting, right? I have, what is Thomas Edison came up with a thousand ways to not make a light bulb, <laughs> right? Like I've tried three different ways to not teach my son how to swim. Exactly. Um, I can pay attention to other people, right? Like I can learn what other people have tried. I can try those things. This is something that we had like got to 
the potty training thing because he was not a natural at it at all. Um, and we tried a lot of things and they didn't work. So we had to keep trying new things. Okay. And as adults, I think we get caught in this, like, we should know, right? Like, we should know how For to kids. teach a kid how to potty train. And then you're like, I have never taught a kid how to potty train. I don't remember being potty trained, so I don't <laughs> even remember what, how I was taught, right? <laughs> like, I can only try, and I can try until it works. And and if it's, it hasn't worked yet, then I've got to try something new. Um, I think we just we get into the habit of not trying so many new things, right? Yeah. So it has to become a practice and we have to explore that for ourselves. Like what's our discomfort at, is it this like, I tried to teach him this way and I failed, right? Well, did you? No, not really. Like that way <laughs> didn't work on this kid, but there's, there's just authenticity permissions on both sides. Just because you learn that way doesn't mean your kid is going to learn that way. And sometimes, like you said, Catelyn, it's easier for someone, it's easier for you to outsource some things, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that if we just took his training wheels off and sent him bike riding with the neighbor boys, that he would pick it up <laughs> um, because they're all riding their bikes. So, like, and maybe it doesn't work. I don't know. <laughs> but there, I think one of the, the gifts I have as well is that, like, I am not at all afraid to experiment with things. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, it could give me, like, sometimes I'll be like, this is something we tried. Didn't work for us, but it might work for you, right? Like, and it might work for another kid. And so that kind of comes back to the community thing and, like, share sharing is caring. Um, but just because something works for one parent or one kid doesn't mean it's going to work for the other one. And I think it's <laughs> with multiple kids, it's, I think it's more frustrating. I only have one. And so, but what I've seen is that like, well, this kid learned it this way. So how come this kid can't learn it this way? And it's like, it's got to be careful with the language there too. Right. Cause then the kid, you know, kids to think they can't learn it. Right. Yeah. They can learn it. We just, okay. We tried that way. It didn't work. Right. So let's try a new way. Um, yeah, and let's build our, our resource community so that we have new people or lots of people to get ideas from. So we can be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Well, I will tell you, when we were potty training, there was no way I was going to do the naked thing. <laughs> like, I am not that comfortable just like being naked myself all day. So like, I'm, he might have been fine, but I'm not fine. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> right? And it's a thing that works for for, for families, right? It's not that it's the thing that doesn't work. It has to work for both of you. And exactly. you have to be brave enough to say like, nope, that doesn't work for me. Or nope, that doesn't work for him. We're trying something different. You have this childlike curiosity though. And I think that's what makes it a fun journey is like, you just have to realize like they say, throw the rule book out the window or throw the, you know, it's, it's, it's just really about having fun with it and understanding that the emotional weight of the thing is probably more impactful than the thing itself. So it's instead true. of trying to scar the heck out of your kid, right? Like just understand you have to love them differently and, and they're both going to be different. Like my daughter was exactly what you described, like in terms of how you were raised as a little girl, like she was so docile and so like still and just such a little joy Right. But she had her struggles, but they were not behavior. She was so well behaved. And then you have my son who is definitely not, not well behaved. He's just high, high energy boy. He's just 
all boy, just smashing, taking his pants off, running around with monster trucks, with just life and raw energy and boy. And it's like so funny when like my husband would be like, oh, well, Shekinah, this never happened with Shekinah. I'm like, well, of course it didn't. She's a different human being, right? Like, and, and Gabriel won't have some of the same struggles as she did. But instead of like doing that, because now they're always going to fail in comparison to each other. And like, to, again, we want them to be great at what they're supposed to be great at. And we want them to help learn on the things that are maybe struggles so that they can feel comfortable with the things we're great at, right? Because even as adults, we don't focus on the things we suck at. No, we just, we love what we love to do. And we just get to a place where people don't have to make us feel bad about it anymore. So we don't focus our energy there, right? Yeah. If people love gaming, they're not out there playing basketball or maybe they like both, whatever it is. It's like, you're just okay with where you are. But I don't know, I, I love what you said. And it's just, it's just like allowing them the space to do that. But it is so interesting that childlike curiosity, because once you, once that life switches for you, <clears throat> and I think this is what you meant when you said you have to be aware of your own ignorance around authenticity, because there's something ego to, to this. And now whether you're cognizant of it or not is like, you know, one thing, but let's say it's like a kid learning to read or learning to swim. Like I, I'll, my, my son's three and he doesn't swim yet. Because well, he's not he's he's getting comfortable in the water, but it like causes him stress. So I'm like, there's no reason for that. I don't have a pool in the backyard. I'm not gonna like throw him in and walk away. We're gonna monitor it. He'll be fine. Um, we'll approach it in a year or a few months, and we'll see how he feels. But it's funny because I'll have people like, oh, you don't he doesn't swim yet. Like, you don't want him to swim. I'm like, I don't want him to swim if he's uncomfortable swimming. No, <laughs> I, I want just him because to he lives him. in Florida doesn't mean he has to love swimming. Exactly, and he actually does love swimming. He just doesn't love being thrown in the middle because he's he's scared he doesn't feel confident in his tools yet but it's like there's like sort of some ego to it because i remember my brother said something to me and i was like felt bad for a second like oh maybe i maybe he's like not on par like and how often do we do this with our kids like he's not on track he's not she's not this and I'll, it's like stop like that's not healthy like check it doesn't there's matter all the shoulds in those narratives <laughs> your sure. kids should be here by this time says who <laughs> You don't know my kid. My kid has never been part of this global average before. So you have no idea where he's supposed to be. Or she. Or they. Exactly. <laughs> or they. Exactly. Speaking of the shit. <laughs> well, and it's just like there 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 are things. I have this I have this struggle quite a bit actually with like the gender roles. Because I've noticed there's like a lot of narratives around the like gender roles for kids. And you're like, this is mostly had this conversation with my husband once um my son was asleep in the back of the car he was maybe like three at the time and we were driving and I can't remember we were talking about like gender roles because this is the type of thing we have just for funsies conversations about um and he my husband said well women are the gentler sex and I looked at him and I was like do you actually believe that and he was like no <laughs> I was like, okay, because like between the two of us, I wouldn't say if it's true. Um, but like my son is like the gentlest soul. Like he will go, if somebody falls, he will run over and make sure they're fine. And like, make sure people have water. If the friends are in the back, right? Like he's so caring and generous and all these things. And I was like, do you want him to think that he's not supposed to be like that? Because women are the gentler sex. Like that is, no, and this is, these are the things, right? Like, there's so many of them, everyone. There's so many. <laughs> layers upon layers and layers of shoulds. Is that, like, that's how he should be. He should be tough. He should be... This kid is five. 
years old. He's a genius, like pretty sure genius level at math. This kid can do multiplication. He was explaining the like conversion of meters to feet. <laughs> I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, but there's lots of things that he's not great. At, right. But these are like, I don't, I don't know if that, so, so what I'm going to like get him. I haven't had him tested for anything because like, I don't know if he's gifted. I don't know if he's dyslexic. I don't know if he's whatever, because his brain is beautiful. And sometimes I can't understand it, but that doesn't mean that it's not beautiful. It means that there's more curiosity I can bring to the team to understand how I can support that because it doesn't work the same way as my brain. And it doesn't work the same way as my husband's brain. And that doesn't make any of our brains bad or any of our personalities bad. It means that we have to know these things. And I feel like ego, to bring it back to the ego part of the conversation that you mentioned, like, I think ego is tied to shoulds too, right? Like I should be the parent that can teach my kid how to ride a bike. Well, who cares exactly. if my dad teaches him how to ride a bike? Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, who cares if he scooters and like scoots instead of riding a bike? Right? Like, I don't care. <laughs> is he getting exercise? This is, is he having fun with his friends? Like, if he doesn't care, then why do I care? Like the costume thing, right? If you don't care, you're not wearing costume. Why do I care if you're not wearing costume? It's completely irrelevant to me. So there's like one of the things I would just like have a, as a big takeaway for everybody is that once you get into the practice of this, you will continue, you know, the like proverbial onion, right? Like right. you will continue to reveal layers of shoulds. We were making finger puppets at Christmas and we had five, there must've been extra eyes, like googly eyes in the package. And so my son was making the last puppet and he's like, I'm gonna put five eyes on this penguin. And my whole experience was like, penguins don't have five eyes. But I'm like, no, who cares? It's a finger puppet, right? I let him put the five eyes and it's the like, cutest penguin ever right? and most unique. And like no one else has, I don't know, maybe someone else in the world, but very few people have a five-eyed penguin. And I was like, oh, I kind of love this. And I, if I had been stuck in my like right way to do it, we wouldn't have created this like beautiful, unique thing. And then like the world wouldn't have had a five-eyed penguin. And I feel like they would have been messing out. <laughs> It's so true, though. It's like they, they have such a beautiful way of interpreting the world. And as they grow, you watch they're they're interpreting their world through your eyes and you have to give them the space to, to feel safe to do it on their own. Like uh, my, we always um, we work from home some days. Right. So like my husband will take uh, Gabriel to daycare and I'll pick him up on we'll like alternate. And obviously my daughter homeschools, so she doesn't go to school or like out in the world. <laughs> and so like my son, I was driving him to school today and he said, when we have another kid, basically like, wait, when we have another kid, which he always says is my sister. When we have my sister, he's so in tune though. Like you talk about connected to source. He says things that freak me out in the coolest way. He'll be like, you have to grab this because that guy needs it. And I'm like, all right. And then like a second later, some guy like, oh, that thing. And I'm like, what? It's so, so trippy. It's so trippy. So anyway, he's like, when we have a sister, well, when we have, like, when I have my sister, I'm going to take her to school and I will bring her to her classroom and then I'm going to go work out and you'll have to pick her up. And because this is what he thinks life is, this is like, he drop off the kid.
it was the cutest thing because he's just exploring what it means to be an adult, for which he sees us. <laughs> and this is so cute. There's a few other things in there, obviously, a few other, a few other tasks. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I just, I just, I just love that. Like, I don't want, I don't want that to be lost, right? And even our 15 year old, like, obviously, she's older now, but she just looks at the world with such wonder and excitement and like to me there's like no failure but like I would fail as a parent if my kids lost that like that like other things aside I just want them to keep that childlike wonder like it seems like you still have that and it has shaped who you are and has made everybody in your life like impacted for the better because you bring that energy and that joy right but it's just it's like sometimes we get in our own head and we're thinking about our meeting that we have to go to and like we would have missed that moment. And he made my whole morning with that. And it's like, you just have to give, where I was going with this is, if you can free up some of the shoulds, you give yourself space to allow these creations, whether it's finger puppets or it's expression of speech, to come through your kids. And it's like the most beautiful, sacred moments ever. It's so good. I, I want to just say too, I was not always like this. Uh, the authentic me is this, but for years that authentic me was covered up by layers of shoulds. So I went to business school. I worked in the corporate world for 15 years. I have a failed mar failed. I've been divorced. <laughs> um, there's lots of things that <clears throat> lots of, lots of voices I gave priority to over my own. Um, and so one of the things I would love to just share is for anyone who's feeling like, oh, no, like, I never had that sense of wonder, right? Like, I, or I lost that a long time ago. I don't have it anymore. I, I didn't retain it this whole time, so I can't get access to it again. No, not true. <laughs> it is an intentional exploration to love figure it. out, like, how can I? And, and bring curiosity to yourself, right? Like, get curious about why you believe a thing or do you actually believe that thing or do I believe that thing? Cause my mom believed that thing, but I don't really believe that <laughs> it can be really fun. And once it gets fun, then it spreads, right? Then you can't go anywhere without being curious. And that is like a game changer in how you live your life. I love this. I love this so much. Can you give one or two like, thought tracks or ways to start that journey. Cause I think I have this internal philosophy that one day I would like write a book about it or something because so many of you amazing people come to this podcast and you're like living proof of this concept. But basically it's like the spiral staircase. Like you get on at floor one, you get off at floor five, like 90% of the time in between floor one and five, you're not pointing the right direction. You're pointing in opposite directions yet. When you get to the right floor that you're ready to leave, you're on the same, you know, you're, you're facing true north again. And it's like, but there's a, that concept has been explored. What I think we're missing is like the fulcrum of those stairs. That's like the linear experience of your life. And it's like, those all have a connection point that if not tethered together, you'd be floating in the ether. And so what I glean from what you're saying, Tracy, is like, you've started to notice there's these little components of you and that maybe that was like, oh, I was just like this as a kid and I really liked it or I didn't feel good about this part of myself in corporate America or whatever they are. But as you started to uncover them, it became a little bit more clear that fulcrum point to you or what's holding that together, which is your authenticity and your truth. Like when I think of authenticity, I think of like, 
like the like the throat chakra and like speaking and living your truth. So as we start to explore this in our own life and we're starting to like, you know, just dabble across the pond and we're hopping like pebble to pebble over here and like, you know, looking for the path. I'd, I'd love a tool or two that parents can implement to help us understand, and uncover some of those things to maybe find that truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, I like to call that your golden thread. <laughs> Yes. So it's the thing that's woven all through your life. And it's, it's not linear, but it is the thing that connects all the things. Yes. Um, so I like to refer to it as the golden thread. I also want to, before we get to the end of the episode, share with everybody my definition of authenticity, which is doing or saying what you would do or say when you want to do or say it. And so the coolest thing is to just think about, because all of us have these times, think about times where you just felt like I did that. I did that. Good job, self. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's always, I can't remember what grade it was, but it was also junior high. And we we're at like a junior high dance. And I made it my mission to make sure everybody had a dance partner. Because I was like, everybody is going to be seen and connected. And, and like, I didn't have that kind of language when I was 13, but I had the intention, right? So I went out and I paired up a whole bunch of people. And in my memory, everyone was dancing. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't true. But like, I was standing against the gym wall watching all of these pairs of people dancing. And I was like, I did that. Now that led to a whole bunch of other things with me, like creating community for other people, but myself not included, which is something I had to work through again, layers upon layers of things. But if you can look back into your experience and just connect to like, what were those moments Mm -hmm. um, where I felt like, yeah, I did that. Just Mm. first of all, connect to the energy of that. Right. In those moments, regardless of what our consciousness is of why we're doing those things, it's because they're, it's so connected to who we are as a person that we feel those emotions. And when we can reconnect to that feeling, it gives us the access to that feeling again. So it allows us to pay more attention to when that might be happening. I had, I had this lovely experience with my son. We were like lying on our bed watching a movie. And he's lying in the middle and he's holding my husband's hand and holding my hand. And then he just turns over and is like, we're all connected. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, we are all connected in more ways than one. Um, and it's just like, and I remember in that moment thinking, again, this like authentic, authentic connection. We're just like being ourselves and we're connected. This is something that just felt so strongly for me. And so in that moment, I was like, I'm remembering this. You yep. forget a lot of things, right? And I, I just, I'm like, I remember. And I like looked at him and I looked at my husband. And I looked yeah. at our hands and I felt our hands, right? And yeah. I just like took in every single piece of yeah. that experience. And now, and I tell the story a lot, which also helps you remember. Um, so I am doing things that help me stay connected to that energy. And the more you find that reconnection to that unis energy, the more you can find it more readily in your day-to-day. And then it starts to become something that you look for. So I have this thing, I call it the Dodge Caravan phenomenon. Um, Driving with my husband, well, we drive a lot. (laughs) And I was like, you know, 
they say the Dodge Caravan is still the number one van sold in North America, but I never see a Dodge Caravan. I'm going to count all the Dodge Caravan. It was a long drive. I'm going to count all these Dodge Caravans and see, see how many I see. I think I counted for like, it was less than 10 minutes and I counted 37. Wow. Right? And I was like, oh, okay. So there are a lot of Dodge Caravans. I wasn't looking for them, so I didn't see them. And so when we reconnect to that energy, it allows us to look for it. And then when we're looking for things, we can find things. If we're not looking for things, it just has to be the lucky happenstance, which still is attached to that golden thread. But the more that we practice feeling that energy, remembering that energy, looking at like, what caused that energy? Was it a connection? Was it accomplishment? Like, was it tied to a personal value? Like, what's up with this? Um, then we have more access to that in the future and we can create it yes. um, yeah. intentionally. I was just going to say, I got two like big components out of that. One is the awareness of it. And it's like, we do the same thing in our life where uh, I literally is like similar scenarios and I will just imprint every moment of that into my life and just really feel it. And then I practice that feeling like when I'm journaling or if I'm like before a call or something uh, or like I'm going to see like a, a big meeting, like I will sit in my car and I will practice that feeling. Um, and there's, there's multiple, right? That to me, that feeling specifically is like love and connection to my family. There's feelings of success or I did that. And like, I typically try and do it in terms of like who I'm serving, um, like whoever we're talking to today, like I'm here and I show up as a place for them to to get value. And I'm really just here as a condo to assist them. And I feel good in having that value, right? More than like, yeah, I'm going to try and win this deal or whatever. So like, there's the awareness piece of it, but I also think there's a choice component to this to where once you are starting to see what feels good naturally to you, that's the awareness of the golden thread. And you're starting to like, brush brush the dust off and maybe see some of the gold speckles and then it's like choice now i'm bringing that and i'm practicing that feeling in my life and i'm calling it into the future reticular activation system or the caravan approach whatever you want to go for and now you're like you're actively choosing those moments right because they're always there you were just unconsciously choosing other thoughts other feelings and so this is the way for you to start choosing better, more aligned feelings and thoughts to help you uncover more of that authenticity. So good. And then you also get more confident in your decisions as well, right? So last summer we moved out to the country. My dad did not want us to move out to the country. And I have been a daddy's girl my whole life. So like disappointing my dad is a big, it's been a big story for me. And like so much so to the degree that he is like, I'll give you an extra $200,000 house in the city and I was like that's not the point right we don't want a house into the city we want this type of lifestyle this type of lifestyle we get in it's not the country country it's a town right like we live in a small town um and I was like so confident in it right like this is what we want this is and this is for right now right like things change in life and situations change this is what is this yeah. is what works for us right now um and it was so amazing because the first time he came to visit us here, he was like, oh, it's nice out here. So good. I was like, right? But I don't actually think that's because like his perspective changed. I think it's because he could feel my confidence and kind of like the backpack example, right? Like you can say what you want about it out here, but I love it. And 
it doesn't really matter what you think because this is for us. Um, And people do start to, when you build the confidence in that, but then people, like we started the conversation with, people can feel that from you and they respect, respect it more. So then you're less worried about people thinking, well, I'm nuts. So like, go to town on thinking I'm nuts (laughs) because mostly you're just jealous of this experience I've created for myself and my family. And also you're probably right. And that's fine (laughs) because I have a lot more fun, which is fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and like people think fun is crazy, right? Like people, I remember thinking when I was, I think I was maybe like 19 years old and I was out at a club because you can do that in Canada when you're 19. Um, And there's this lady dancing on the dance floor by herself, just like feeling it. I can still see her dancing in my memory because there was like so much like love and connection in that moment. And then nobody else was on the dance floor ever just looking like, what's this crazy lady? Like, what is she doing? But like on one side, we're all really jealous that we're not brave enough to do that (laughs) because she just is like owning it. Right. And, and now I will do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember being in Vegas with a friend for a, a stay again, and there was nobody on the dance floor. And I'm like, we came here to dance. <laughs> like, I'm a dance. And then two other people joined the floor, and then and then everybody was on the and floor. And you're like, I did that. People were just waiting for permission. And if it's got to be me who gives them permission, <laughs> challenge accepted. And we have to be that in our own lives, right? More Absolutely. than like more than we need to be for our kids. It's just doing it for yourself and giving yourself permission. This and is they, so good. And lead by example. Then they pick that up from you, right? That's how you really teach kids anyway, is yeah. you just show them how to be a fun, loving adult. I had someone the other day, definitely not on this podcast, who's not not our kind of people, um, in conversation somewhere. And I was like, I'm going to go over there. Uh, but they said something to me. They were like, yeah, but kids don't. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, bro. It's infuriating. It was like one of those like drink around the world situations. And my husband was out of town and my sister-in-law was out of town. So my brother invited me to go. Um, so it was fun. I got to hang out with my brother, which was always good. And I was talking to some person that walked up and he was with his wife and they were like on a date night. And they mentioned something about like how it was fine because kids don't like to be with adults anyway. And I just remember, and I did have a little bit of like liquid courage. Um, I did remember saying, oh, or they just don't like being with adults that suck. And I just walked away. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like my litmus test for am I succeeding as a human is like, do kids and puppies just run to me when I walk into a room? <laughs> if they do, I'm doing all right. But it's like, of course they want to be around you. And if you have that kind of mindset, what kind of relationship do you have with your kids? That's crazy. But there's like so much generational trauma here, right? Because oh, like wow. that guy might have grown up in a family where literally the parents didn't like being around the kids. So then the kids didn't like being around the parents, right? Which makes sense. Really? But these are, again, these are things, even even if it's just our own experience, we turn it into the societal narrative. And we're like, this is what all families are like. And if we pay attention, there is not, I mean, like, I got 10 houses on my street, right? And there's no two families that are alike on this street. And it extrapolates to all other streets in all other countries (laughs) in, in all of the world. Because each family unit is unique. My personality, my husband's personality, my son's personality, that combination has never existed before. And so when we continue to propagate these types of stories as if they're a societal truth, that's when we trap ourselves in the subconscious of like, that's just the way it is. And it's just not a thing. Right? So we can, we can, we can do that and we can be, 
I always say, like, if it's empowering you, then go to town. <laughs> but specifically, if it's disempowering, if that narrative is making you feel like something is missing or something could be better, the narrative is most likely bunk. So exactly. it's not you. And it's not whoever taught you the narrative. The narrative is, is, is bad, right? Let it go and explore for yourself. Like, what's a more empowering narrative for me and, and my team so that we can bring our gifts to the world? Because that's what we're all here to do. I love it. And it's just, it takes it to be open-ended. Instead of saying, this is broken, this failed. Like, that's very one, like, where do you go with that? Instead of like, you know, it's, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. How would this work? Like, what could we do instead? Yeah. you know it's just it's exploring child of curiosity and kids yeah. are like that though right like kids don't have that like there's no end cap on no. learning right they just like consume 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 my son is into space right now and the amount of space information this kid knows like i'm pretty sure i didn't learn it my whole time in school <laughs> and like because he's interested in it and he wants to learn it and i have learned things from him and when we i I haven't met a kid who doesn't have that. I mean, kids might be interested in different things, but they all have that. They're interested in learning things. And so it's our, we're not going to talk about the education system because I'm sure that's a whole other episode, but we get taught how to learn. And then we forget about just being curious. Like literally the entire time we're in school, we're, it's not promoted for us to just be curious, right? No. You're not allowed to question the teacher. I've been punished for questioning the teacher, right? Like these are things that are frowned upon. So you learn not to do them. Of course. But we all had the skill of being curious. We just need to reignite it and practice because any skill being good at something is based on practicing it. Practice, exactly. So if we haven't practiced it for 30 years, we're probably not very good at it today. But if we decide that, hey, you know what? I'm going to start exploring my thoughts. And like, there's a really great book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And it has this really great methodology to work through thoughts, um, especially disempowering thoughts. Oh, and awesome. it's a four-part question. I'm sure you can find it online or you can grab the book. Um, but the first question you ask yourself is, is that true? a disempowering thought about you or your kid or your spouse or your job or what have you is yep. that true and then if your answer is yes it's true the second question is is that really true <laughs> because usually yeah. it's not yeah. Yeah. so it's giving us the opportunity to go a little bit deeper because based on our experience I have a, a, a client I'm working with right now who's in a career search and his every time he's got an internship, he has been let go. And so his narrative is that every time I get a job, I'm going to get fired. And what we're trying to work through is that like, that has been true. Yes. I'm not trying to convince you that you're crazy, that that's not true because it is right. And that's not necessarily what's going to happen in the future. Exactly. Now, if we believe that that is always the case, then that is going to manifest itself because that's what we're going to create subconsciously. So how can we? How can we adjust the narrative? And I know I've said a lot of things in this episode, but one of the, the last, I don't know if this last thing depends on how many more questions you ask me. Um, but when we're switching our narrative, it's very difficult to do a complete 180 degree turn which is what we think we have to do. Feeling sad, I should feel happy, right? And how do I feel happy? Exactly. Well, it's not a thing, no. right? It's, it's almost all. impossible. And so 
when we get curious, it's like, okay, I'm feeling disempowered. I want to switch to empowered or I want to switch to curious, right? Okay, I'm feeling disempowered, but I just want to switch to curious. Why am I feeling disempowered? All of a sudden, a whole bunch of those emotions come out of the equation and our brains can process things a little bit more rationally. Um, so when we're shifting from that, okay, that's not true. What might be true? I don't know. Pretty much anything could be true. That's kind of exciting. Exactly. So true. I always think it's so funny when you like, because I'm a big like spiritual seeker kind of person. You mentioned Harry Potter. I was like, seeker. Um, but like, we're also Gryffindor. My ta- my daughter's definitely Hufflepuff. Um, my husband's I am Gryffindor. Hufflepuff. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. My husband is Ravenclaw. Nicholas is too young to know yet, so we'll see. That's hilarious. Yeah, I get. I, I we, we I, I like. I think I know our whole family, but yeah, we uh we did this whole like thing in England. Got to go to like the sets and all stuff. It was so cool. Um. Anyway, crazy sidebar. But um, as a spiritual seeker, and then we'll wrap up. Like I, I'm so fascinated with you know the the path that people go through to try and learn, like know thyself to learn themselves better. Some people go very scientific route. Some people go very religious route. Some people go a very earthbound family as the core value route. And some people go very spiritual. It's very cool just to see the commonalities between all this. Um, But what you mentioned about like, uh, about like these, like these guiding principles is like when you're on that spiritual path, it's like, Oh, if you're meditating, then you just want to like do this so you can manifest. And I'm like, like, there's no, like, there's no way someone goes from, like, feeling here to, like, all of a sudden, I'm going to dream and write this on my journal and it's going to pop into my life. Like, this is not tactical. Like, maybe it's just because I'm, well, like, a tactical person. There's a belief. There's a belief component, right? So, like, you can say it, right? Like, oh, I'm sad. I'm just going to be happy. And but as you, you say it, believe you're it. You're BS. You're right. like, no, 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 you're not. And you're like, you're right, I'm not. Why? <laughs> This is what coaches do, right? You're like, I don't, quite honestly, I don't care if you lie to me, but you're lying to yourself right now and you need to stop lying to yourself because I'm, I'm, I'm good either way, right? Like I'm going to leave and I have my, my life and my love and my connection with my people, but you lying to yourself isn't creating any movement in the direction you want to go. And then people are like, oh, but I'm just a bad person if I'm lying to no you're not you just don't have practice telling yourself the truth (laughs) so now we need to practice it otherwise we don't have the skill and we can't get good at it well that's why I, I just I like the alternative you provide because it's more like you know instead of just trying to go from A to B just ask some questions and then be okay if it's not what you expected and just practice asking and just practice being open and being curious and like it, it will show itself right but the more we try and force those things <clears throat> the more it's going to show itself. Like, I just think it's so fascinating how scenarios show up in people's lives repeatedly. And when it's somebody else, you can just pinpoint like, this is a pattern. This is a pattern. Like, did you not notice by the third guy? This is a pattern. And But it's like when it's your own life, it's, you know, you're in the sauce. You're not thinking about it. So it's just, it's it's reactivity and to your emotions re-causing that same thing so you can learn a lesson, which is why I'm a huge proponent of coaches. Speaking of coaches, beautiful Tracy, um, please wrap us up by telling our parents where they can find you, interact with you, what types of services you offer, all the good things. So you can find me on Facebook, but then you should click on my LinkedIn connection (laughs) because I am mostly on LinkedIn. Um, Because coming from an authentic point of view, I feel better 
on LinkedIn. Um, so that's where I hang out. So come and find me there. I would love to connect with anybody, have a chat. Um, I have a couple of different things that I do. So I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. It's called Own Your Personal Brand. It is focused on creating connection between you and your golden thread. So clarity, obviously, right. first, and then connection to that. And then also building a community around you to support you. So whether that's awesome. from a parenting perspective, whether that's from a business perspective, trying to create clients and things like that, um, every single person has a different of like expected outcome because you're all different and you're not all trying to accomplish the same thing. So while a lot of coaches will tell you, this is what you get at the end of the package, this is not how I do it. <laughs> figure out where you want to go and then figure out what it's going to take to get you there. Um, I also have a really wonderful community. It's called Your Business Peeps. Um, so although it might sound like it's specifically for people in business, it is about all the perspectives of a human. Um, so it is that a lot of us work and do things for business, that we are also parents, that we are also individual humans that have a unique identity um, and building community around doing things your way instead of doing things someone else's way. So you can find that on LinkedIn as well, or you can connect with me and I can point you in the right direction. Um, it's, it's a community all about connection. So we would love to have okay. anybody who is looking for a little more connection in their lives. I can't think of anyone who would not benefit from more authentic <laughs> connection and a place to just speak your truth and, you know, be held in like space and truth. So that's awesome. Thank you. Your energy is so good, Tracy. I love it. It's for 10, 10 p.m. for me. So it's just so fun to like, you know, what great energy that you bring. And then parents, um, just want to say thank you guys for being here week after week. The DMs and all the notes and stuff just make me make just warm my heart. And that's why we show up every week and just keep sending me what you guys want to learn and what you guys want to hear, who you want to hear from. And I will go find awesome people like Tracy to come chit chat with us and give us some tools that we can use in our lives to be better parents and just show up more authentically in our own life. So thanks again, Tracy, for coming. And, thanks uh, for having me. Here. Oh my gosh, it was a pleasure. Uh, thanks, parents. Until the next perfect time, you guys. Stay beautiful and stay inspired. See you guys soon.